T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The COVID death toll is staggering. Today, we mark a tragic milestone here in the United States. One million COVID deaths. When the pandemic started, that number seemed unimaginable. But here we are almost two and a half years later. It's such a grave milestone. Um, it's one million people with one million unique stories. The grief and pain cannot be measured. I never really thought of like, those people who are like losing their loved ones and like never really thought of those numbers as anything else than numbers. And now it's like, those are people. By one estimate, 215,000 children have lost a parent. And my first thought was like, what do I do now? Like, how do I move on from this? How do I do, how do I do life without this? This week on 880 In Depth, the human toll of the coronavirus. It's incredibly sad. Welcome to 880 In-Depth. I'm Michael Wallace. It's hard to comprehend the feeling of loss across the country. In cities and suburbs and rural areas, there's been heartbreak and death. It doesn't matter where you live, how much money you make, or your political affiliation. COVID doesn't care. For each death, there are concentric circles of grief and a multiplying factor. A family of 20, another 20 friends, and he had his own friends, and he had his co-workers, and I don't know, 60, 70, 100... A little later, we'll hear about a nonprofit created to help children after 9-11 that's been stepping up to help the kids of COVID victims. We have a project called uh, the COVID Response Project, where we're working to build the capacity of service providers um, to really be that nurturing community and make sure that there's a framework of support for children who have been bereaved by COVID. Well, let's start with Janice Coney. Last March, the Bergen County woman and her husband, Eric, along with one of their two kids, were diagnosed with COVID. In April of 2021, Eric died. He was 51. Janice tells WCBS reporter Peter Haskell she's been trying to make it from one day to the next. Since Eric died, um, it's definitely been been a challenge, you know, dealing with our grief, um, dealing with raising children, raising teenagers by myself. Um, has been incredibly challenging. Um, You know, for the most part, I think that we're all doing pretty well, and I'm so grateful that I have my children, and and we really, the three of us really connect and support each other. Um, But it's difficult, you know, definitely difficult moments that we we go through every day. How have they been doing? Um, Overall, they've been doing really well. Um, 
they've each responded differently. Uh, my son Colton, he's 13. He was 12 when Eric passed. And he was really upset for the first two weeks. And then he sort of, I think he feels this obligation that now he's the man of the house, even though he's the youngest of the three of us, um, feels this obligation to sort of take care of us and um, support us emotionally. Um, so he's, he's incredibly empathetic and, you know, really has always been there for us. But I, I worry about him a little bit because he doesn't really display his own grief. Um, and then my daughter, Kylie, she's 15. Um, she's a little, she shows, definitely shows her emotions more and she may be able to express her emotions more. Um, she has days where she does great and uh, she's retold her story and shared her story, you know, several times. And that really has, has helped her a lot. And then there are days where she's just very quiet, um, upset, depressed. Um, her anxiety at times has been through the roof, um, especially when it comes to me. Uh, it's difficult sometimes for me to leave the house, even to just go grocery shopping. She gets she gets nervous, and I'll have to either take her with me or she'll stay on the phone with me until I can arrive at the grocery store safely, and she knows I'm there okay. Um, you know, she's, she's scared of, of losing me, and, you know, sometimes her anxiety then, then gives me anxiety. I'm curious, when Eric died, what did you hear from other people, and where have you gotten your support? So, when Eric passed away, um, we were overwhelmed with with the amount of support that that we got, and we were so, so grateful for it. Um, Of course, we have our our family, you know, uh, his siblings, my siblings, both of our sets of parents. um, They've been incredible. Um, but then we've had this incredible group of friends that, that we've met over the years here in Lyndhurst that really were there for us. I mean, they were at our house bringing food and, and just being there for us. Like, I just remember the first two weeks, there was always someone with us. They, it, and it was, it was incredible. And to this day, you know, they still check up on us. And, you know, it, it's, it's been wonderful, the support that we've received from, from, of course, our family, which was expected, but these friends that we've made, it's been incredible. We're so grateful for them. How important was that for you? Oh, so important. So important to, you know, one of the scariest things, of course, losing a spouse is I'm all alone and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this by myself. And, you know, there are moments where I do have to deal with things myself and make my own decisions, but to know that I have a network of friends that I can, you know, bounce ideas off of or ask them, you know, what I should do when they're able to help or they're able to take my kids and, and, and do things with my kids that I wouldn't be able to do by myself. Um, it's, it's been so, so important, really. I'm so, so grateful. COVID had been waxing and waning for a year when they were diagnosed, and it didn't seem as scary as it once did. When we first got sick, um, our symptoms were pretty minor for the first few days. Um, so we really weren't all that concerned. And then over the course of one or two days, um, you know, especially with Eric and myself, um, our symptoms just escalated. Um, Eric and I both ended up in the hospital within a week of, of testing positive. And, um, that was really scary because, you know, you heard so many stories of people going into the hospital and not coming out of the hospital um, Eric went in a day before I did, and I remember the next day when I finally had to go in, I was just 
so worried for my children, so worried that that would be the last time that they saw us. Um, it was it was emotionally very, very difficult um, to deal with them for the children as well. You know, they had to, you know, within 24 hours had to pick up and, and leave leave the house and, and grab all their schoolwork and go stay with my brother while we were in the hospital who lives an hour away, leave their friends. Um, it, it was a really, really difficult time and very, very scary. Were any of you vaccinated? Well, unfortunately, at the time when we got sick, um, the vaccinations, it, we really weren't eligible for them yet. Um, so we were not vaccinated at the time that we got sick. And ironically, I actually received the phone call that we could, uh, for us to get vaccinated on the day that Eric passed. Um, so since then, I did get vaccinated um, in April of 2021 after he passed, um, as well as my children. The political controversy surrounding the virus compounded their misery. Her son Colton is 13 and her daughter Kylie is 15. I think a lot of people are kind of like, yeah, like it's time to move on now. And it's like, you really don't move on from this type of thing. Like it sticks, it sticks with you forever. We'll hear more from Kylie in a few minutes. Janice says the attention on the virus has been impossible to ignore. There have been battles about masking and vaccine mandates and just about any other restriction. You know, my children are old enough to, to understand it and, you know, hear it themselves. I mean, losing someone to COVID is so hard because a day doesn't go by that we don't hear about COVID. We hear the numbers increasing. We hear the controversy over people complaining about masks and vaccines and social distancing and, you know, people, even people that call the pandemic the scamdemic, you know, it's it's so upsetting to us. And, and it's upsetting. I can't protect my children from that. They hear it on social media. They, they hear it in school even, you know. Um, and that's, that's really been difficult. You know, we, we, we also are, you know, are tired of, of the masks and the vaccines and, and all of that. But, you know, to us, those, yes, those are inconveniences for us as well, but they're minor inconveniences compared to what we're dealing with. We lost a life to this. And if it means wearing masks for a little bit longer, then we'll wear masks for a little bit longer. You know, it's, 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 that's really been, been hard, you know, and knowing that I can't protect my children from, from hearing all the negativity and all the controversy surrounding the pandemic. That's, that's been really difficult. Over the period of time, at, at what point did things start to feel better, if they have started to feel better, and, and how have things changed over the past 13 months? Um, so, I don't know if things feel better necessarily, they just um, feel different. Um, I think the first year getting through all those first milestones was rough, um, and oftentimes it's not even getting through the actual milestone of, you know, the first birthdays and the anniversaries and the holidays. Um, oftentimes it was the anticipation of having to deal with those days without Eric um, that were very upsetting, but then oftentimes I think because we anticipated them and, and talked about them and made sure we had a support system around us when we had the, when those days did actually happen, um, we usually got through them okay. Uh, so now putting like all those first anniversaries behind us since we just passed, you know, last month was the, the first anniversary of his passing. Um, I think things are, I hate to say better, um, but they're different. I think we're just dealing with it better and, and 
accepting that this is our our new reality. Tell us about Erica. Oh, Eric, um, where do I begin? He, um, he was a former Marine. He loved this country. He was so proud of serving in the Marines. Um, he was a friendly, outgoing guy, full of life. He was the life of the party. Um, he loved his family, loved his friends. Um, he made friends easily. And he was, he was all about having fun. He, he truly lived life to the fullest. Um, looking back, I don't think that there's anything that he would regret not doing. If he wanted something or wanted to do something, he would find a way to do it and, 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 and did it. You know, he truly enjoyed life. He was definitely a live life to the fullest type of guy. Like always, always did fun before he had to do like his other responsibilities in a way. Um, you know, always put his fun first and just, just such like a energetic, very friendly, I, very friendly guy. I remember we would like be, I remember this one time we were at the mall and he was a Marine and the guy in front of him was a Marine and they started talking and we ended up like having dinner with them. Like just such like a outgoing guy could get along with anyone and really, really, really cared about his kids always put us first no matter what um you know we could be in the wrong and he would still put us first and just such like a energetic fun loving guy he sounds really amazing i, I am curious though when do you miss him most um i would say in a lot of different scenarios like you know seeing maybe little girls with their dads is hard um because it reminds me when I was a little girl I was really close with him like I still was up until he passed but when I was a little girl like I was super super close with him always like a daddy's girl like type thing so it's sometimes really hard to you know see other little girls with their dads and just anything where like I guess kind of just seeing other children with their dads or, um, you know, if it's somewhere he used to take me, uh, like he always took me to that new American Dream Mall. So sometimes going there brings back a lot of memories, um, just like the places we used to go together. Kylie is now a high school sophomore. She too had COVID and is still struggling with long haul symptoms more than a year later. But the ache of her loss can't be ignored. I'm doing okay, I guess. Uh, the one year of my dad's passing recently came up, so I feel like that's definitely threw me off a little. Um, but overall, good. Summer's coming up, lot to look forward to. So overall, pretty good. That that first anniversary, what was that like for you? Um, honestly, I didn't really know what to expect because I haven't really experienced a death of a loved one before um so i think the anticipation was worse than the actual day um i was just anticipating to be really emotional and just really sad and like i really did not know how i was going to get through the day but it was really nice i spent time with my family and overall just had a really nice day 
tell us about just coping over the past year. What what has that been like, and what have you learned about it? Um, like I said, I've never really had to cope with anything like this before. So to lose something as significant as a parent, especially being super close to my dad, was really really difficult. Um, honestly, I'm doing a lot better than I thought I would. I remember first hearing the news um, and my first thought was like, what do I do now? Like, how do I move on from this? How do I do, how do I do life without this? And, you know, you just got to take it day by day. um, Really just kind of push through it. And, you know, I feel like he would want me to be happy. So I tried not to let it consume me. Of course, I was so sad at times and it really really does just come in waves um some days I look at pictures I think of memories and it makes me really happy and others it just makes me really sad and just also having a really good support system and being around a lot of friends and family has really helped a lot The nonprofit Tuesday's Children understands what that's all about. The group was created in the wake of 9-11 to provide support for children who had lost parents. Now it's stepping forward to help COVID kids. Again, there are more than 200,000 kids who have lost a parent. Sally Lynch is a senior program and development consultant. She spoke to our Peter Haskell. At Tuesday's Children, we've been doing this work for over two decades, and we know that when a child loses a parent, It can have a long-term impact. Um, As children go through different developmental stages, they re-grieve and they experience their grief differently. Um, So we know that these children who've lost a parent or caregiver to COVID are going to need long-term support. They're going to need peer support, uh, a, a caring community. And so I think it's up to all of us as a country to look after them. What exactly does that mean, look after them? (laughs) Sure. So at Tuesday's Children, you know, when we were founded, um, we took an approach that was maybe non-traditional, non-clinical. We started with uh, programs that really brought families together with other families who understood so that they could, you know, experience some of the things that they otherwise wouldn't be able to experience having lost that parent in their life you know we see the parent really as a guiding light in the life of a child and if their grief is left unaddressed um, you know and particularly when they lose a parent in sudden circumstances and I know the you know there's debate about whether the deaths due to COVID are considered traumatic loss but I think for a child to lose a parent in the context of a global pandemic when everybody has spiking anxiety it's certainly a traumatic experience, and any death of a parent is considered a trauma uh, in the life of a child. So to take care of them, you know, we as an organization at Tuesday's Children, founded after 9-11, set out to kind of be there as a community support for the, over, for the 3,051 children who lost a parent on September 11th. We wanted to make sure that they had mentors in their lives, adult role models. Youth mentoring is one of our primary programs. We also wanted to make sure that they were connected to a community that supported them, that as they reached the age where they started to look um, to establish careers, that they had opportunities to 
go to take our children to work day, even if they didn't have a parent who could take them to work with them, we created that opportunity. We bring kids to Congress and let them meet with Congress members. We work with 140 corporate partners to give kids who've lost a parent the experience of, you know, visiting the American Ballet Theater or, you know, Morgan Stanley or other financial companies or, you know, companies in the culinary industry, whatever kids are interested in. So we know that that support there is needed. We also know that, you know, the surviving parent, if there is one, or the or whoever the caregiver is, the guardian, the legal guardian for the parent, needs guidance and support around what to expect and how to process the different reactions that kids may have at different ages and stages. You talk about some of the the kind of long term consequences. What are the short-term needs? A parent dies, as you say, it's so traumatic for a child. How does a kid get through that fog of grief? So, you know, it really depends on, uh, it's a very individualized process, obviously, per family, per individual, per person, per child, but it also depends on the age of the child. So, you know, when we when we first started out with our organization, the average age of the kids who lost a parent on 9-11 was eight. But we had kids who were very, very young. We had kids who were teenagers at the time, um, and they had very different reactions. You know, kids who are in, the, in early childhood may not even fully conceptualize the concept, you know, may not fully understand the concept of death, the finality of it. And so, you know, understanding what developmental stage they're at is very important in helping them. You know, some of our surviving parents after 9-11 who had very young children were surprised that their child would kind of repeat the news continually. My daddy died in the World Trade Center or, you know, certain things like that. Um, and, And they would see that as a, you know, they would wonder, is there something wrong that my child keeps repeating this? But it was actually a natural way that the child was processing that information. Um, And likewise, for teenagers going through particular milestones, even if they lost a child at the age of five, you know, when they transition from elementary school to middle school or to high school or go through a significant birthday, you know, a 16th birthday when they would expect that their parent would be there, um, they may re-grieve and, and kind of experience that loss anew because they grieved the loss of the parent, the person that they would look forward to, you know, playing with when they came home from work um, in a different way than they would, you know, maybe look forward to celebrating that birthday with the parent or even as they get older, you know, telling them about their first job or getting accepted into college or getting married, things like that. Kids of all stripes have been suffering through COVID. Even those who haven't lost loved ones are dealing with stress and anxiety. We've been hearing a lot about resilience. You know, resilience certainly is a buzzword that I think has been used in in our organization, of course, throughout the, the past two decades. But I think it's increasingly being used in vernacular anyway. Um, there are two types of resilience, really. There's the kind of resilience that a person is born with, that is just kind of a person's natural ability to overcome adversity. And then there is resilience that is taught. And, um, you know, that usually depends on a person's or history and, you know, maybe previous traumas they've been through and how they've weathered other difficulties in their lives. Um, but all of that really does play, those two types of resilience really do play into um, an individual's 
personal resilience. But when it comes to kids, it has been shown that kids are more resilient when they have a positive role model, at least one positive role model who is consistently in their lives. And so I think that's where children who've lost a parent are at increased risk and need that community support more than ever and need programs like youth mentoring that Tuesday's Children offers um, and really need that framework from all the different sectors, as I mentioned. That's why we won't, That's why I say we kind of have a moral obligation as a society to be there for those kids who are COVID bereaved. Our organization, Tuesday's Children, is called Tuesday's Children because September 11th happened on a Tuesday, and we emphasize our responsibility as a society that those Tuesday's Children belong to all of us. And I think the same is true about the hundreds of thousands of children that have so far lost a parent to and primary caregiver to COVID in the U.S. They do belong to all of us as well. Let's go back to Janice Coney and her take on one million COVID deaths. It's incredibly sad, a million lives, a million Americans that have been lost. Um, it's such a grave milestone. Um, it's one million people with one million unique stories. And then, you know, I think of all the people surrounding those those lives that have been whose lives have been impacted forever you know i mean within our family our extended family of of parents and siblings and nieces and nephews there's 20 people that were impacted by by eric's loss of life and then we count all our friends and his co-workers and it's just the number is just it's incredible it's 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 very sad it's a very sad day for sure you really put that into perspective because one million deaths is not one million lives affected. I mean, it's it's multiplied over and over and over again. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you have a sense, you, you, you said about 20 people with your extended family, when you think about his friends and his co-workers and the people who really feel his loss, do you have any idea what that number might be? You know, it's funny. I, I I try sometimes to come up with that with that number. Just thinking of of the lives that he's impacted. Um, I don't know. You know, sometimes I think, okay, our family is twenty, another twenty friends, and he had his own friends, and he had his coworkers, and I don't know, sixty, seventy, a hundred. You know, and and then I'm always I'm always taken aback. You know, sometimes I, I run into people in town that I haven't seen in a while. And they approach me and they talk to me about him. And, and it's like, wow, like, he's still thinking of Eric? Like, you know, I barely knew him. Like, they just know our story. And it's, it, to me, that's incredible. And it's incredibly comforting to know that, you know, they're thinking of him too. And, and, and the, the amount of people that he impacted, it's just, it's amazing. So you're right in the heart of that group of people that are most severely impacted what should the rest of us know about the impact of covid i just wish that the rest of the population would be a little bit more sympathetic to us um you know again i talked earlier about you know all this controversy surrounding covid and and we get it we get it too you know we're, we're so tired of it also but you know, just just be a little bit 
sympathetic when when you you know complain about your inconveniences and, and thinking about our family, especially the children that have been impacted. You know, it's it's sad for for my children to go to school and and you know and I mean now masks are no longer mandated, but you know there were teachers that were complaining about about masks and complaining about COVID and and you know and, and my poor kids have dealt with the loss of their their father because of it and now they have to continue on with their school day after hearing you know this this teacher complain about their minor inconveniences so you know just i don't know maybe be a little bit more sympathetic and and just think before you complain about about these these minor inconveniences her 15 year old daughter kylie is proud of the way her family has come together um i think we've all been super super strong especially my mom she continuously is there for me and my brother every single day always puts us first um my brother has been really strong too he i feel like definitely conceals up his emotions more so he's really there for me and my mom when we need it and we've all just kind of had to adjust change all of our schedules around because of this and it's obviously been super super life-changing but i think we've all just really had to adjust and all just stayed super strong and really been there for each other when we need it. You've been so patient. I, I guess my, my last question for you, just generally, do you think people get what your family's going through? Um, honestly, I, I think the other people who are going through the same thing do, and I think a lot of families sympathize with us, but really no one will, unless they've gone through it, will completely and fully understand, um, sorry, will completely and fully understand what we've gone through. And, you know, I think after, you know, it's been a year, like, not that people get tired of, like, hearing us, like, whatever, of hearing us talk about it, but just, like, I think a lot of people are kind of like, yeah, like, it's time to move on now. And it's like, you really don't move on from this type of thing. Like, it sticks it sticks with you forever. And especially, like, COVID, like, everyone wants it to be over. And at the end of the day, those people still have their loved ones. And my dad, I will never get back. That'll do it for this week's 880 In-Depth podcast. The executive producers are Tim Scheld and Peter Haskell. Our thanks to Janice and Kylie Coney and Sally Lynch, too. 880 In-Depth gives us a chance to focus on an important issue in our community. You can find us at WCBS880.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your audio. And please subscribe. I'm Michael Wallace. Thanks for listening, and be kind. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. See T-Mobile.com. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.